Please stay standing as I read Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I've heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. You may be seated. The first thing you have to do is learn how to open it. There we go. We're good. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Steve. I'm a house church leader here at Wingfoot, and I am so happy that you guys are all here today. Uh, John and Kelly are away. They are celebrating their wedding anniversary. And then so John asked if I would step in, and here I am. So thanks for your prayers. Uh, so many have reached out to me this morning. I would not be able to do this without that. I am not a professional speaker, um, but I love Jesus, I love this church, and I love you, so I'm happy to be here. Um, so I'm continuing part two of a three-part series. Part one was last year this time. If you come back next year, you'll get the rest of the sermon series. Um, thanks for having me. As Christina mentioned this weekend, we are celebrating our nation's birthday, and we often do this together. Uh, whether we gather and we have a cookout with family and friends, uh, typically there's some sort of fireworks that happen. In Goodyear Heights, fireworks start about a month ago, I think. And then, um, but I will say that the fireworks this year aren't, aren't quite as plentiful as they were last year. It seemed like this year, the, like last year, the fireworks started the weekend before and just every single night it carried on and it was never ending. My dog was a mess. And um, so thankfully, it's been a little bit tame. I'm not sure what they'll look like tonight or tomorrow. But, uh, but yeah, so whether you watch those fireworks on TV or, or you know, like some sort of national uh, show about the, the, the nation's birthday or you're gathering with neighbors or friends or you have that relative that is just a little bit too aggressive in their firework display, it can be kind of scary sometimes. It is a time to celebrate. Uh, we often also think about our nation's flag on this day, you know, whether you have one attached to your car or you wear it on in, as a hat or a shirt or shorts. You really can get into it. I even have PJ pants that are American flag. I, I, I like that. I even brought one with me today. 
Uh, I had this one in my office at work. I work for the government, so it's okay. And then, um, so I had this one in my office at work, and, and I brought it with me. And, and, uh, and you think about this, this flag and what it means. It's a symbol of our country and, and kind of what our country stands for. Uh, there's even a, a pledge that we can pledge, and some of you probably remember we actually did this in school. It stopped. I think it came back for a minute. I don't know if we still do it or not in school. I don't have little kids, but, uh, but yeah, the Pledge of Allegiance is something that we do um, before the flag, and, and uh, you know, we post these on the front door of our house. Or, or, um, but yeah, so we, we look at this thing, and, and, uh, and we think about our country, and, and we say this pledge, but did you know that the the Pledge of Allegiance um, was penned in the late 1800s by a pastor. Uh, and the original Pledge of Allegiance uh, was actually written for many different countries. Pardon me, I'm going to set this down over here. I have a problem when I get up here. I don't know how to get rid of things. Like, once they're in my hands, like, what do I do with this? So, uh, it was, but it was written by this pastor in the, in the late 1800s, and it was written for uh, basically the world. Uh, the idea or the intent was that each country would use the pledge to uh, basically allege to their own country. And, and it wasn't until the first decade of the 20th century that uh, we actually included the United States in the Pledge of Allegiance. And then it really wasn't even until the 1950s that President Eisenhower uh, moved Congress to uh, adopt one nation under God into the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, you see this phrase is not added because we were kind of looking for some sort of display of, of monotheistic alignment, or it wasn't added because, you know, there was some previous intent that was missed. Uh, rather, at that time, uh, the growing communism in the world was this thing that was happening, and our country wanted to kind of set itself apart from the rest of the world, and in doing so, it adopted this phrase, one nation under God, um, really more so as a way to identify ourselves during what could be considered a pretty confusing time. Even today, we find ourselves in a place uh, where we're confused or even frustrated by increased violence, changing policies, ongoing illness, and even economic woes. As a believer, you might say to yourself, God, where are you in the midst of all this? I know that I have. I have, uh, over my life, prayed many times, you know, God, where are you in this? Where do I need to be in this? Uh, what are you calling me to do? Um, what, what are you saying to me? I prayed these words many times. And you may, you may even see today when, when Christina read um, that psalm. It's a psalm written by David. And David... Uh, also was somebody who would, who would genuinely share what was in his heart with what he knew about God. Uh, you may know David as the, the shepherd that defeated a king or as the, uh, the one that was anointed to be king or David the one who fled for his life or even David the warrior king. Uh, you may remember David uh, even as a man who was caught in his own sin. But have you ever thought about David the poet? Uh, thankfully, not only have we heard of David's great accounts in Scripture, but uh, through Psalms, we can also hear of David's heart and, and hearing his passion for God. Excuse me a sec.
know, David describes God this way uh, as being very personal. He knows the attributes of God intimately. He knows that God is sovereign over all things. You know, when we read that first verse, you know, you read that when, when he says, my soul finds in rest in God alone, it literally means that, um, that only to God is my soul at peace. There are so many distractors in this world, so many things that can pull us away that we can try to find rest and comfort in. But really, it's only to God that your soul finds rest and peace. David also notes that God alone is his protection, being his rock and his salvation. Even under relentless attack um, or persecution, that we must trust the Lord. Have you ever been under attack? Have you ever felt persecution? Uh, it's unnerving. When somebody's trying to um, cast lies in your direction or doubt in your abilities, um, it can really become something that scatters your mind. As you look for ways to fix the problem, as you look for a possibility or a solution to uh, the happenings at that moment, when you start to doubt yourself, um, your mind is just tossed back and forth. And it gets to a certain point where you, you may have tried every single possible thing that you can in order to make a difference. I know that I have. Um, but then you finally get to this point where you recognize that uh, you need to go to God. And it's at that moment where you sit down and you, and you, and you pray. And, you know, sometimes, all the time, it's good to, to read through scripture and, and pray that word back to God. And then... And then really just open your heart to him. When we trust God as our protection to fight our battles, you know, we can be at peace. We can overcome the lies of the wicked. We can set those aside because we know the truth. But sadly, too often we choose to fight our own battles. We create our own peace or to create our, our own peace. Uh, but really, this is short-lived. Um, you ever notice how you try to do those things on your own that you start to feel it? that your body starts to ache and your, and your fatigue starts to come in and you become weary and tired and it's, it's an invasion into your person. John Lynn, who's a pastor of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, uh, he says it this way. He says, when we don't live as if God is God, when we break God's loving law, when we fail to honor who he is, when we say or imply by our own actions that he's of no consequence or importance in this or that part of our lives, we fail to fully be the people of God created us to be, and it leads to death and disintegration. Death and disintegration. That's pretty serious stuff. I, when, I, when I thought about this or when I read this quote, and I was wondering to myself, disintegration? What does that mean? The first thing my mind goes to is Star Wars or Star Trek and getting zapped by a taser and I'm disintegrated, you know. But really what it means is it's a breaking apart. It's a breaking apart of your person from God. It's a separation from God. It's the, it's the, the end result of those who don't follow Christ and who don't choose him is to be separated from God forever. In Isaiah 30, 12 through 15, uh, the prophet Isaiah warns us about this very thing. It says, therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. 
because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression, and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break into pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly um, that among its pieces not a fragment will be found. For taking coals from the earth or scooping water out of a cistern. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. The repentance, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. We need God in our lives. We need a relationship with him. We submit completely. We need to trust immovably and wait patiently. God alone is the foundation and completion of our safety. For David, he knew this personally. David said, God is my. The my is the important factor. It's a very intimate relationship. He said, God is my salvation. God is my honor. He's my rock. He is my refuge. In salvation, we look at the rescuer, the one who saves our life. In honor, we look at the reputation that goes before us. My rock. It's my foundation. It's the, the firm place in which I stand no matter what comes at me. And refuge is my hiding place. This is the place of safety and security. This is the place where you go to when things are falling apart. And I hope that that place is God for you. At all times, we need to place our confidence in him. We need to submit ourselves to God. The great theologian Charles Spurgeon um, writes it this way. Turn the vessel of your soul upside down in his secret presence and let your inmost thoughts, desires, sorrows, and sin be poured out like water. Think about that. If you took your, your inmost thoughts, your desires, good or bad, the sins that have troubled and plagued you, and you, you go before God in a secret place where it's you and your him, and you are honest about those things, and you pour them out. You pour them out like water. Think about when you pour water out onto the ground. When we pour water out onto the ground, it becomes a part of the ground. It's immersed, it's taken, it's, it's, just, it's just a part of it. And, and, and God is saying, Charles is saying to do that, to, to pour that out before the Lord. We have to trust in the sovereignty of God. This is such good news. Apart from him, these things are all on us. We try to be our own rock, our own salvation, or seek our own honor uh, or glory somewhere. So submit ourselves to God, not to be domineered or crushed by him, but because doing so actually relieves us from the need to seek these things ourselves. Understanding these truths of God's helps us to understand our own brokenness. Our personal status does not determine righteousness. The more we trust God, the more we, 
we perceive the others of status possibly even lacking. My place in society is not what God looks for in me. He's seeking my heart, allowing me to real, reveal my love for him and my love for others. Also, our wealth and our possessions are all temporary. The love of things is corrupting and deceptive. We literally see this in our own communities today. Right now, things are getting hard. Things are hard, very hard for some right at this very moment, for people in our very congregation. You see, just two years ago, here, right here in Goodyear Heights, a home cost was about 50% less than it is now. Our general income has not changed. It's probably gone up maybe 7%. So ongoing um, inflation is growing significantly. The cost of everything is increasing, so our wealth is decreasing. If we rely on our own abilities and determination alone to try to find some way of traction and growth, we might see some headway. We might actually see something happen, but it's temporary. Uh, without God, it's even untrustworthy. So we must turn from our self-centered distractors and trust God. David recites that God is strong and the Lord is loving. Often our hearts are hurt and broken by life's turmoil. Uncertain what is to come next, but God provides. That's an act of action. He is present and everlasting, and we can hold on to that truth and our hope in him patiently. Spurgeon again commented, he said, In God, power and grace are eternally resident. God will supply the strength and the way when it is needed. We can trust in the Lord. We see this with Moses and Joshua as, as Joshua is getting ready. Actually, Moses is uh, kind of handing over the reins to Joshua. And Joshua's getting ready to go into the promised land, this land that, that he actually looked into previously and saw that it was a land of giants, a land that would be harsh and difficult, but it was a land promised by God. And he was trustworthy and faithful. And so he was able to lead uh, the people into that land. And so in... Um, In uh, Deuteronomy 31, uh, looking at verse 8, this is what Moses said to Joshua. He said, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You see, by God's power, he commanded into creation a perfect world. But by man's sin, this world became corrupt. Um, because we chose ourselves over God. By Jesus' sacrifice, he, he paid the necessary penalty of death so that we could have everlasting life in him. And by the Holy Spirit, we were able to know this truth and live in a restored relationship with God. Remember what the Lord tells us through the prophet Isaiah. Remember back when he was talking to the people. He said, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Let's be a people of peace. Will you pray with me?
Father God, I thank you this morning for bringing us before you, for reminding us that it is in you that we can find our comfort, it is in you that we can find our strength to carry through, it is in you that we find a peace and a hope uh, that is everlasting. Lord, when we are, are feeling worn, when we are feeling the, the heavy weight of life, help us to see that truth, God. Help us to know that is real. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us and give us your peace and help us to have the comfort by the Spirit in you this morning. Father God, I pray for our city as it's getting ready to enter into a moment, it has entered into a moment of confusion and turmoil. Father, I pray that your peace would, would fall over this city. Lord God, I pray for the, the family of Jalen who has suffered loss. I pray that you would be with the families of the officers involved as well, who are probably confused and feeling uh, lost as well. Father, it's a trying time that only you can help us through. We love you. It's in Christ's name. Amen.